This is the CHGO Cubs podcast. My name is Corey. I am joined, as always, by Brendan, and we are coming to you on Friday, December 29th, and we are live. We're live. Yes. uh, The holidays, everything, work schedules have allowed us uh, to not do the pre-recorded version that we have been doing for many weeks. We are live. We are with you in our live YouTube chat, of course, if you are watching later or listening Wherever you get your podcast, hello as well. But for the folks on YouTube, we are live and we can see your chats and interact with them. So we are excited to be back doing that. We appreciate everybody that is watching live on this uh, pre-holiday weekend. And unfortunately, Brendan... Uh, we have a lot of signings to talk we about. We still have nothing. We have absolutely nothing. I believe the Cubs are the last team in Major League Baseball to yes. add a major league contract or a new player or money to their roster. I think the Twins were second to last. So here we are. Here we are. No signings in 2023. The reason that we're going live is so we can change things up. You know, this entire show needs a little bit of a different tone to it. And so this, we're doing our part. I'm even in Arizona. I may drive down to Mesa, start knocking on the doors. I may try myself to get things going. That's what I'm willing to sacrifice. Yeah, so just a few days until the new year. So as with last week and the holiday weekend, this upcoming one, we hope this episode finds you well and you're enjoying however you're spending this time. The latest news that we have, and I suppose the only thing we can hold on to, is that John Heyman says the Cubs are the favorite to land Cody Bellinger. That being said, though, Brendan, uh, John Heyman is typically a Boris, could call it mouthpiece, maybe. You, you Typically, when he tweets things, there's sometimes an ulterior motive to it. So we've obviously thought and hoped that the Cubs would be major players in the Bellinger market this entire time. Perhaps that report is indicative of it, but until we actually get some real traction on that, it is difficult to be super excited about it. I need them to get it done, is the point. Yeah, listen, you know, Boris has taken his clients to spring training. Bryce Harper, way back then, signed during spring training. I could very well see the same situation happening right now. Uh, Unfortunately, there's some lack of confidence in my thinking, given how in the past Jed has had a plan and, ex- and tried to execute that plan. For example, uh, Wilson Contreras at the trade deadline. And unfortunately, things didn't just work out. Um, and the deal was snagged at the very last second. And not saying that could happen again, but it does leave me a little bit anxious that despite having that plan and waiting things out and potentially going through January, going through February, there is a scenario where if it does not align with Jed's asking price, he may say, this is what it is. We'll go in. We're a mid-80s win team anyway, and we'll see what happens. Yeah, I think ultimately we're in the same spot as we have been for past weeks, and I I would imagine uh, every Cubs writer you read and podcaster you listen to, et cetera, I think we're we're all in this holding pattern. And I think I saw Brett from Bleacher Nation even talking about this, something you and I had talked about, I think maybe the week prior, like that that space between knowing there's money to be spent and players available and time left, but also as players come off the board, even if they were never going to be Chicago Cubs, the amount you have to get done and the ability, you know, the amount of players you have to do it gets smaller and smaller and smaller. And the kind of hole you're trying to fit everything into gets very tight. And we talked a lot about best laid plans and stuff. So we will see. Unfortunately, that is the only significant update that we have for you. My genuine feeling, though, is like with Bellinger, I'm glad they're seen as the favorite if that John Heyman report is to be believed. It does seem with some of the movement on the Blue Jays side, I know there are other teams out there, but like the Yankees going with Juan Soto, the Blue Jays signing Kevin Kiermeyer and making some other moves to sort of add some depth to be on that team. 
doesn't automatically take them out on Bellinger, but you're at least seeing a potential suitor making other moves around that. Yeah. And, you know, so maybe the Giants get involved. There, there's other teams, but it does feel like potentially this market is falling to where Jed wants it, which, you know, I think there are going to be a lot of people that are like, congrats that, you know, you maybe waited this out and you can get him on a cheaper deal and things like that. Your your strategy of not budging may work in this instance, but it's risky. And again, they, they still don't have him. This is still dragging out. And yeah, there's always the opportunity that teams come in at the last minute, et cetera, et cetera. But yeah, just get it done. Cody Bellinger has been someone, I think basically everybody watching this team has wanted them to bring back since June of of last year. So just do it already and let's be done with it and move on. Well, you know, not everyone thinks like you, Corey, but where where I stand with Bellinger and just the overall picture, you and I are typically in lockstep where you and I generally agree on the large big picture uh, perspectives. Now, in between the fine lines, sometimes we have different opinions. I feel as if you and I are in lockstep on this one. Like, we, you and I basically find this trajectory, find this uh, off-season outcome borderline, like, unacceptable. Like, I, I, I really do feel this For way. this moment, yeah. For this moment. But it's – I st- listen, this is the fourth year that we're in this – quote unquote resets. Like this is the fourth year. And right now I'm looking at the war projections, looking at where the Cubs stand. They're in the bottom third for both batting and pitching. And yeah, the offseason barely has started yet. But to get to that upper echelon, we're talking about, you know, top five, if you want to be greedy, you have to add nine wins from your positional side. So you sign Cody Bellinger, you sign Reese Hoskins. Not enough. Those right now on paper are projected in some for 4.5 war. You look at the pitching side, a little bit better. They're about five wins back from being in the top uh, six. You know, that might be more doable, but still you have some volatility there. Despite some of the intention of building up your farm, developing, which, which has worked, it's not as a fan's perspective. It is not acceptable to be squinting at 85 to 88 wins. The expectation should be somehow, despite it being greedy and ambitious, 94 plus wins. And right now the Cubs are 14 wins away from that. It likely will not happen. And then I start thinking, which you're going to roll your eyes at me. And I texted you this last night. At midnight. Everybody. At midnight. Just so you know, I, it, it technically wasn't midnight for him because I'm in Chicago, but it, it was midnight for me that I, this is the text I received. And, and I'm, I'm wondering if you're going to be a mid-80 win projected team, if you sign Bellinger or if you just sign Hoskins, does it even make sense to open the year over the first tier of the luxury tax, right? If you think about how baseball works and all the variability in that and the 14 win variance from your opening day projection to your ultimate win expectancy. Does it make sense to actually go over the first tier to open the season if your team's marginally improved? You have to extremely improve this roster. And can this be done in six weeks? I'm, I'd be pleasantly surprised if it can. And I'm still opening that window for Jed, but it seems really difficult and ambitious to do. I, I think a lot of what you're, and you and I have talked about this before, but I think worth reiterating that, you know, when you, when you say stuff like that, it's, it's a conversation of what is Jed thinking, right? Not yeah. what does Brendan want them to do? Just <laughs> clarifying that. Thank so you. So I think, I do think if you, if, if you end up with a, the big hypothetical that I think a lot of people are throwing out, if you end up with Bellinger back and Reese Hoskins and you make some moderately significant addition to the starting rotation. There's a lot of names out there. I, I think that team is better than last year, and I think it does get us to a place where, I, I don't know if it gets us exactly where I say unquestionably, yes, this is the NL Central champion. There's no way they lose this division, which is really what I wanted, but I, I do think that team is better. And then 
you're you're asking a lot from prospects, but that is clearly something they are going to bank on in one way or another. I think the question for 2024, and I think that's kind of the general theme of this podcast. 2023 will be over by the time Brendan and I speak to you next, unless we have a Cody Bellinger emergency podcast tomorrow, <laughs> right? So 2024 will begin, and it's it's about figuring out, will this Cubs team look very different, not different at all, and how much will Jed actually push towards the safer projections that Brendan is talking about? And I think that's that's a big question. We've heard them. We talked, I think, last week or two weeks ago about that interview that Jared Banner did on the score and just listening to some of the discussion about letting the young guy play and wanting to, when is the right time to push in on free agents and stuff like that. Like, this is the talk that you're hearing from some of the front office members. So... And our, our good friend Niran is, is in our live chat, uh, very enthusiastically supporting just letting the kids play. Right, Niran? Am I, am I reading that correctly? I don't think there's a tinge of sarcasm in any of your comments. Very excited to just let the kids play. Niran put it on his, uh, in his bio. That's what he wants. No, uh, very much the opposite. But I think that's going to be a big part of the conversation is how much do they lean on those guys and ultimately what does that turn into? And I know that's not expert analysis, but when we're talking about even the stuff that you're saying, Brendan, like a huge portion of that is going to be how much playing time is PCA getting, whether that's straight out of camp or if he comes up a little later, however they decide to maneuver that. And what kind of player is he? You've broken down some of the potential concerns and leaps that he needs to take as a hitter. You look at Alexander Canario, a guy who maybe they're talking to in certain trades. Maybe they're going to give some playing time to. Christopher Morell, is he playing a full-time position? So that doesn't excite me, right? Seeing what prospects can do and young guys can do and how they can contribute— but it's, it's also fair to acknowledge this is an extremely significant variable when we're looking at these Cubs teams. And it, it may turn out that you're right, that they they want to take that chance. They believe in some of these younger guys and they want to take that chance. As we've talked about, like that's not really acceptable to me. Two and a half years into a rebuild, it really depends on how you qualify that. I know you go back to when they traded Darvish, but that was like a COVID money thing. I, I would point to the 2021 trade deadline. That's like my point at which they deviate right on the path. I could also argue into 20. They didn't really uh, full through around that team to prevent having to go to the deadline and trade some of those guys anyway. So who knows? But several, a few years into this process, I, I, I'm not super excited to see what the kids can do. We, we don't really have an idea of what any of them can do. So that being such a big variable is not a particularly exciting one to me. It was yeah. acceptable at the time in 2015 because of where those prospects were ranked and where the organization was trending and you exceeded those points. But that's not really the, that's not where this organization is right now. So them leaning on that, I would not be particularly excited about. But that that's the big question, Brendan, and I think you sort of are seeing it that they were interested in Shohei Otani. They were ready to give him half a billion dollars, but it didn't pan out. And so I think we're kind of looking at where does this team pivot? And they still haven't done it, right? We've been asking where they would pivot for so long. And I think your point is a good one. I uh, uh, Below the luxury tax would be shocking just shockingly bad from this Maybe. organization but know. as we've said like let's say san francisco comes in and goes nuts for cody bellinger they they sing on everybody they're not they're they're not making any of those big signings they say screw it we're gonna go get him like what do they do then you know like there's not an there's not an endless list of options and even reese hoskins is interesting but He's coming off a major injury, hasn't played in over a year. What does that look like? So I do, I do think it's a, it's a it's a real thought to consider. Of does Jed say signing some of these guys is not worth it, and we need to give these young guys playing time? And I would be really pissed 
if if that's that's well, the language that we hear because that's not what they, they that's not what they sold us coming into the off season. They they and they're it, they're trying to bring in as many fans as possible. What they what is said to the media, as you know, Corey, hardly represents reality. So think sure. think about it from Jed's perspective. Right now, 80, 82 wins. Okay, that's probably where they're at right now. You sign Bellinger, move that up to eighty five wins. 84, 85 wins. You sign Hoskins, move you think it up. The, the team currently constructed wins 82 games. I'm not sure about that. Lower? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Well, I'm no trying Bellinger, to be no trying Stroman. to be optimistic I here, so. Corey. All right. So let's say well, 70. I mean, looking at it realistically. 78 wins. I think 78, whatever. It's big range, 78 to 82. Bellinger, Hoskins, bring back a Stroman equivalent pitcher in value. You're like 85 or so wins. Then you start asking the question. For every dollar you spend over the tax, does it justify the risk you accept? And if you're spending, you know, a 12% overage on the first tax to move your win projection from 85 to 87, does it truly make a difference going into opening day? Or do you leave that room open? You hope some of your prospects, as Niran is talking about, uh, uh, develop. And then you start spending at the at the trade deadline, right? I wouldn't be surprised if that happens. And we've heard it from front office executives. The goal is to make the playoffs in a consistent window in eight to 10-year windows. And then if that happens, their thinking is you have an over 50% chance of winning a World Series. That's the thinking. That's how decisions are operated. It's almost as if you're playing, if you play blackjack, it's almost as if you're just following the blackjack book. You know, you double down on 11, et cetera, et cetera. To, to me, that does make sense. You can rationalize it. However, there's a different side of thinking about this. And the thinking is, you know what? Let's, because the variability is so much. Thank you, Cody Demandas. He says, I look like I'm in a bathroom right now. Yeah, you know Cody what? You know what? Listen, I'm in Arizona, Cody. I'm trying to get the Cubs front office to make moves for you. So you can stop these therapy sessions at three in the morning that I'm joining in for some God knows reason. But wrapped up the, the point, I don't think Jed can honestly justify going over some of these. And even at this point, the first tier of the luxury tax, I wouldn't be surprised. Do I think it should happen? I do think it should happen. I also think they should try to be aggressive, creative, I still, I have been sitting here for seven years, Corey, seven years talking to you twice a week, once a week. We have not made a significant creative trade that has yielded projectable value yeah. at all in seven years. We have not that, won a playoff game in seven years as well. You know, Brendan, that part is is rather interesting, I think, because you would think now, Jed has only been at the helm for a particular period. I believe today is also, as we record this live, Theo Epstein's birthday. Uh, so, I mean, I, I only have a coffee, but cheers to Thank our you, president, Theo. Theo Epstein. As Cody would say, no slander. Uh, Theo Epstein brought a World Series to the Chicago Cubs. He's best friends with Eddie Vedder. Everything I really ever wanted in life, Theo Epstein lived. So, so you wanted to be Theo Epstein. I live vicariously yeah. through Theo Epstein. I think we And he's in the, the MLB commissioner's office now, and like the Cardinals didn't get that comp pick. And, you know, this. so he, I think he got in there and he's cleaning some stuff up. So, anyway, happy birthday, Theo. Uh, shouldn't be buying a drink in Chicago for the rest of his life or Thank Boston you, for that matter. If you see a man in a gorilla suit wandering around on New Year's Eve, it's Corey it just Freeman. might be Theo Epstein. <laughs> You never know. It could be. There's no way to know. Never know. But I, I, I was going to say, like, Jed's only been at the helm for a few years now, but you would think with some, I, I see in our chat, you know, some people saying, like, Jed wants to run it like the Rays, stuff like that. Y you would think that if, the, if that were the case, like, how do we maximize wins on the field with not spending like the Dodgers or not spending like the Mets? The, the trades are the answer. Take advantage of the bottom of the barrel teams that develop these wonderful players, don't ever want to pay them, and you steal them like the Cardinals stole Arenado for a bunch of nobodies, right? And you look back at most of these trades, the Mookie Betts trade, <laughs> that, 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 that Mookie Betts trade with the Red Sox is one of the worst things in Boston sports probably ever. 
And the cub, you would think that that would be a space where you go, well, how do we avoid giving Xander Bogarts a 13-year contract? We go steal a younger one from the Marlins or the Rockies or something like that, you know? And they haven't done it yet. Yeah, I, I'm waiting for it as well. There's been a lot of rumors with the Cubs talking to Cleveland. Again, we, we still got to see it. I, I saw a rumor, and there's all these fake rumors but you see other teams are interested in, like, the Guardians closer, Class A, and Bieber. Like, the Cubs aren't the only people that are interested in these players. So just because they've been connected, as we saw with Tyler Glass now, does not mean that the trade gets done. So I would love to see it, but it, it is not something that we saw, we've seen the Cubs do yet. And you would think if they were trying to fit into this narrow window of, like, spending money but not all of the money and still trying to win that's the that's the easiest way to do it i will say because we you know we we were talking about our friend niran and and the the prospect stuff the one point that he is sarcastically making in our live youtube chat is prospects don't always work and that is where the major concern comes in to me about how much you want to trust that going into 2024 and a key question that they need to answer. Prospects often do not work. The way they play in AAA is not always the way they play in Major League Baseball. Them being number one or number two or number three on a MLB pipeline list does not make them an all-star. It does not make them a future MVP. We can sit here and name any any amount of Cubs prospects that we were very excited about that never panned out. We are not sitting here, you and I do not have like a gold-plated Brett Jackson jersey, right? You don't I don't know have that. a framed Josh Vitter's jersey. Or if you want to go way it. back to like a reference that you and I grew up with. What, Felix what, Whatever happened to David Kelton? Oh man, you know? you're going way back. That's a good one. You really went back in your brain for that one. So it, it and it's it's not to say that I don't believe in PCA or Canario or Kate Horton, some of these guys, but it's a big jump. It's a big jump. And that was what I was talking about last week with my sort of concern being you didn't really learn a lot about any of these guys last year or the year before it. The only person maybe we think the organization has an idea of seems to be Mervis because they just weren't interested in bringing him back up. Does it mean that they have written him off? No, but they had plenty of opportunity to let him be the guy if that's what they really believed in, and they didn't mm -hmm. do it. Even going into this year, are we all confident that PCA is even breaking camp with the team? Because he's still got stuff to work on at AAA. And even in those moments, like you saw him, he needs he needs time to adjust to even the stuff he's good at at the major league level. Yeah. Playing defense, reading major league fields, filling bases at the major league level. Like those were all things you saw there's going to need to be an adjustment on. So I, I love that they've worked their system to be number two. Rich says David Kelton is the head coach at LaGrange College now. Cool. There you go. I didn't All think right. we would be talking about David Kelton. Well, uh, you never know what happens with you, you and I. Before the count turns to 2024. But that's when you, that's what happens when you listen to Dakota Cubs talk about stuff. That, that, yeah. That's my point. Is that I know I get it. it. And there's a huge variable for this team, how those guys perform and how they use them. I think the broader concern is – and we'll see what they do. Two and a half years, by the time the season starts, closer to three years since you sold off the last group correctly. Yes, we can all admit that. Yes, it was the correct decision. Sure. But you're, you're still not, you haven't provided too many answers. You've had two and a half years to crank some of this stuff out. And outside of Justin Steele, what have you created in that time? in terms of things that, that did not exist prior to you shutting this down. Ian Happ was already playing for you. You've extended him, and I think he's become a more well-rounded player, but he was already there. He's been playing, He's been on this team since 2017. Nico Horner, sure, cemented himself as a starter, a gold glover, and everything else, but y you knew that back in 2020, probably, you had high hopes for him, even though he didn't perform at the MLB that year, but you know what I'm saying. 
So in the time since you traded Bryant Rizzo Baez, what have you learned about your organization? What have you developed? And outside of, am I missing anything outside of Justin Steele? What is the answer to that question? Well, that you're, that, that going into 2024, you are like sure of. Yeah, I, 2024, uh, being sure about any of these guys is is not is not there. There's a lot of pushback. I see on, on social media, there's this dichotomy. There's a sect of fans who do trust the process, if you will. They like Definitely. having— I would say, and, and I, I don't mean to interrupt, but to add on, on Reddit in particular, I do notice I think there is a much stronger— pushback than in other places in terms of I don't want I don't want to be tied down with these big contracts doesn't make sense don't make a panic move take your time let the kids play it's interesting the difference in like the social media platforms and how they read it because our YouTube chat right now is like screw this (laughs) you know but I'm not but the thing is like I'm not calling you and I are not calling for giving out $300 million contracts like the Padres. What I'm specifically saying is as we stand going into 2024, to your earlier point, projected 78, 80 wins. To one of our comments uh, a few minutes ago, going from 82 to 87 wins does make a difference. It does, but you might be able to do that below the first tier of the luxury tax. Does it make sense to go you know, from 87 to, to 90, who knows? In reality, how the Cubs front office has operated in years past, even dating back to 2016, they've only gone over the luxury tax three times. 2016, it rings a bell. It, you know, when they won the World Series score, oh, okay. you know, people people do forget that. I got it, okay. But when they, from 2016 up until now, they've only gone over the tax three times. They've only spent about $14 million in tax penalties over the last eight years, 2017, they didn't go over the tax. 2018, did not go over the tax. 2019, they did pay a little bit on the overage of that luxury tax. They haven't really done that. And the roster back then was very different. They had pre-arb players. They had guys extended, such as Rizzo, and very cost-affordable contracts. So it was different. And those spots were filled by those players, which I understand. But it goes to the larger point that if they have a confident win projection let's say in 2016 we knew what it was it was 95 wins or so going into the season they were going to go over that luxury tax they got to the trade deadline accepting chapman made a lot of sense to even pay more taxes and they went for it how this cubs front office operates is they're going to be more cautious they likely won't give out those big 200 plus million dollar contracts maybe bellinger will be there first because to them from what we've seen, it does not justify the risk. It would justify their risk if you're going from 92 wins to 96 wins, but we're not even in that category yet. And where I'm frustrated, where I see people push back, let's say my thinking is, is, well, you have to have prospects develop. You have to have a good farm system. You got to give these guys a chance. Now the Cubs farm system is top two, top three in baseball. We're in a good position financially and developmentally. That is all true. Like I, that That is a necessity first and foremost. And yes, the front office and Carter Hawkins and Dan Cantrovis, they deserve a ton of credit for getting to this point. But it still has not been enough. And you look at the Dodgers and other teams, dude, they're like 95 plus wins year in, year out. They're not making splashy signings every single year. The Dodgers reset their luxury tax last season and unfortunately, not unfortunately, but unpredictably got swept in the playoffs by the D-backs. Crazy stuff happens, but they're able to offset some of the risk somehow in developing their prospects with getting consistent major league value. How that is done, I don't know. That's not your job. That's not my job. But for the seventh consecutive year, eighth consecutive year, we're hoping for one playoff win. For the yeah. fourth consecutive year in Jed's tenure, I'm looking at an 80-win projected team. I don't care if you trust the process or trust right. the development. Right. What I care about is make some damn creative moves, be cutting edge, be innovative. And if I'm going into 2024 
And despite the front office and the free agent market not being totally established yet, dude, I am like, what do I have to believe that this can yeah. be accomplished? Where, so, where is my history? Yeah. So we're going to hit our first ad break here. We're a little behind on it, but when we come back, we'll keep talking about it. And if you're in the live chat, drop other stuff. Cause like, obviously we've, you know, some of these conversations have been ongoing for months now. So if there's other stuff, other questions you want us to get to, we're happy to do that uh, and things to talk about. But I think the I think the key here is that there are there there's still money, there's still time, there's still players. We all acknowledge this. We've been acknowledging it the whole time. What what is disappointing, and unless this changes in two days when you and I are, are not on the air, we are going to end 2023 with having removed Bellinger for now, Stroman, and heard from the front office and everybody that they were pissed about missing the playoffs last year and we need to win them out central and the playoffs and the other. And they we are going to end the, the calendar year, time left or not, in the offseason with them having done nothing to get back to that point. It's it's not yeah. very difficult to understand and, why fans, me, you, are not particularly happy about that. Saying that there's time left and players left is not going to appease everybody. Do it. Do it yeah. already. You're the favorite for Cody Bellinger. He was your best player last year. Give him the damn money yeah. <laughs> and, and I mean, bring to, him back to Wrigley Field. Let's go, Jed. The Stephen point here, yeah, there, there is plenty of time left. There is. My... If you're new to this show, my frustration dates back to like many previous years. And and if you're new to the show, I always preface, we're idiots. Like I want the Cubs to spend money every single year and everything, right? Where my frustration lands is I don't want to give obvious potential solutions. I don't know what those are, but this team, this is the Chicago Cubs. This is the third biggest market in baseball, the history the consistent fandom. This is unacceptable to be doing this again. And I, you go back to 2023, the process leading to the Trey Mancini and the Tucker Barnharts and all of this. Now it's not, and this is where I get really frustrated because I, I'll watch every single game. I like the development. I like all of this, but like we have to raise our expectations here a little bit. That's all I'm saying. Raise our expectations no, here a little bit. Given how we've seen other big market teams operate, not at the signing level, but at the developmental level. I'm talking differently about just signing players. I'm talking about leveraging your resources to get the most out of developing players, being cutting edge, getting the best analysts, getting the best scouts, getting the best possible operation. And I'm yeah. confident saying here right now, despite being optimistic, we're not even within the top 10 no. guys, not, not even right in the now. top 10. That's yeah. unacceptable. And I like the direction they're going. I think they can get to that point, but this is beyond just signing players. I'm not talking I, about signing players. I, I, I promise we're going to hit our ad break here, yeah, we'll but I, I think, I think I'm working myself made that, that sums it up well, as we round out 2023 and get ready for 2024, we got to hold them to a higher standard. I, I believe in the process too. I understand it. But the, the thing the thing that I think some people miss or don't really want to like fully press on is this isn't some random team. This isn't some middle market team. This is one of the biggest markets in the sport. It's one of the most valuable franchises in the sport. And you can talk a big game, but right now we have a president that hasn't ever made the playoffs. And we're going on, this is going to be season three, for him? Four. Four? Four. 21, 22, 23. I need to count yeah. on my hands. Four. I, I can see that. Yeah. That that shouldn't be acceptable. And I, I don't care if they, they had to take the time to redo the pipeline on that. Great. Like other other teams with smaller markets have turned this around faster than you are. So that that's the thing. It's all about higher standard. I think we can be pragmatic and realistic and understand the nuance of like everything that's actually happening and the difficulty of it and the time. Great. You're the president of the Chicago Cubs, Jed. You're not the president of the Minnesota Twins. Yeah. It's it's that simple. Like you need to get it done and you ha you have to be held to a higher standard than everybody else. If you say, "Oh, it's too hard to turn it around quicker." Like 
too bad, man. You know what I mean? Like you took a job running and again, people are going to say Ricketts doesn't care. I don't know. Either way, as a group, we have to hold them to a higher standard. I remember I was in a in the in a studio show with our our guy who's in the chat here, Cody Del Mendo. And he said something he says a lot, which is these are the goddamn Chicago Cubs. And I I remember I turned to him and I said, "You say that and mean it, but we need the the people who run the team to act like that. They don't act like that. And that and that and that's that's what we're missing. 2023 may end with them not doing that. I hope that 2024 begins with a little more of that attitude yeah. and it would start by handing Cody Bellinger some money. Yeah. I mean, I'll do this at first ad right here. The last point on this before we move on to these other points. They, they may care. Like Tom Ricketts might care. He might care. I don't know. He's getting consistent money. I get it. Well, he's Jed Hoyer. So. Jed Hoyer cares. The front office cares. These guys genuinely care to, to go into this profession, as you know, Corey, as a former front office uh, employee, <laughs> uh, okay. as yeah. a former front office employee, you you know, like these guys are insanely competitive. Of course, they care. Sometimes yeah. caring, actually, not sometimes. A lot of times, caring doesn't equate to execution. I care about a lot of things. I fail at a lot of things. I mess up on a lot of things, even though I care a lot. It doesn't matter. And there's always going to be someone who cares just as much, who just needs a chance, who has the background. And I'm okay giving that person a chance and moving on if that's the case. And we'll see where we're at by the end of this offseason here. But let's do this uh, first ad break here before we get too taken aback. All right, Corey. First off, I didn't realize I would be this worked up. Like we have New Year's coming up. Like you're working me up over here. Like what? This is this is your fault. But uh, okay, first ad break here from our good friend Circa Sportsbook. At Circa Sportsbook, games will strive to be a minus one ten split on the Circa Sports menu, unlike other sportsbooks, which may use minus one fifteen or minus one twenty splits. Circa Sports keeps as little money as possible on large market bets, especially compared to other books. They also do not limit players based on their winnings, like Cody Del Mundo, who wins all the time. And every player has the same limits, unlike other books who do limit those winning players. There are also real people behind the Circa Sports brand who resolve issues in a timely fashion, unlike other books who use chatbots. All aspects of the app are being run by the same team. They actually run the main Circa Sportsbook at Circa Resort and Casino in Las Vegas. Download the Circa Sports Illinois app at circasports.com slash Illinois-app to sign up today. Also, be on the lookout for Circa events, watch parties, and tailgates. If you or someone you know may have a gambling problem with gambling, call 1-800-GAMBLER, 1-800-426-2537. Text GAMB to 833-234 or visit areyoureallywinning.com. New Year's is coming up. You want to make a New Year's resolution? You want to be healthier? Midtown Athletic Club is your place. Midtown Chicago is the nicest fitness club I've ever seen. I wish I could have joined Cody and Ryan when they visited it. I wish I could have been there. It is truly stunning. I've been to some other really nice gyms on the West Coast in Chicago. Midtown is truly next level. Also, Midtown Palatine has lost, launched a multi-million dollar transformation of the club, which will be complete in early 2024. Listeners can lock in favorable rates if they join before the end of the year. They, these clubs have something for everyone. If you're single, if you have family with kids, if you're looking to make lifestyle changes, if you're into holistic wellness, Midtown Athletic Club is your place to go. Head over to midtown.com slash CHGO to find out more and to tour the Midtown Athletic Club nearest you. All right, Brendan. Yes, Barb, we are live. Hello, Barb. Brendan and I are live. We appreciate everybody. We got over 100 people here in the YouTube chat. Head of a holiday weekend. Appreciate you joining to talk about Chicago Cubs baseball when the Chicago Cubs have not added a major league player since who would have been the last one? Uh, I think Trey Mancini. No, like Jose Quas or something, right? Well, like a trade? Deadline? Well, when sure. was the last time they added a new major league player? I guess Jose Quas. <laughs> Look at us. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, it's uh, it's an interesting spot. But, yes, I saw our good friend Fernando in the live chat saying Corey already re-upped his season tickets. Uh, You're an idiot, dude. I mean, You're an idiot. Yeah. 
I know. Yeah, that's my problem too. I complain all about this. I, I told Corey this, like deep down, if I'm being fully honest here, I just want them to be competitive. Like I'm that stupid fan that Tom Ricketts and ownership love. I just want them to be competitive. They go into the year with 80, 82 wins. Like, you know, if I can wake up on a Saturday morning and the Cubs have a potential interesting game, I'm a happy guy. But, you know, not everyone is like me. I I always said this, and I've said this on many podcasts before, and I it again. I was in the stands in Cleveland at Field, which I think it's still called, but if it's not, it was at the time, on a rainy November 2nd evening. By that time, it might have been November 3rd on the East Coast. I don't really remember. And I remember during that rain delay, uh, we don't have to get into everyone's philosophical beliefs, but I remember speaking to the universe or whoever might listen that if they if they won this game, I would never ask for anything sports-related again. That would you be You lied it. to yourself. That would be it. No, I, what I'm saying is I often have to remind myself of what I said. And I'm like, listen, you put it out there. If they win this game, if they win the World Series, eight years from now, you, you can't you can't go back on that. You can't. That's what I wanted. We got it, and uh, here we are now. Could you is, be? A, could you imagine how miserable we'd be if they lost that World we Series? Be doing this show, I would, absolutely not. This you this would not. I would not be doing this right now. I may be in a mental institution, to be quite <laughs> yeah. honest with you, if they didn't win <laughs> like, that World Series. Are you kidding? Yeah, yeah no. we'd, we'd be dead. So I try to I try to remember that there's worse positions to be in, but yeah, it's about squaring it with where this team stands and where this team should stand in terms of everything. And I, I know some people don't like to hear it, and I think especially if you don't live here, like you don't live here, like does it get tiring hearing me and other people talk about how expensive the tickets are and food is and all that other stuff? Because like you don't ever really deal with it. Me? Yeah. No, man. I listen as, as someone who doesn't often deal with it. Like I'm just, I'm just curious because I can, I can see people. You know, we say it all the time, like yeah, 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 yeah. But then it, it but then people are gonna say, but like Corey, you're a season ticket holder. Like you don't really get to complain. You're the one funneling money. I'm like, I know. <laughs> listen. Yeah, I know. We have a lot of issues, a lot of hypocrisies, if you will. It happens again. I will watch a 72 win Chicago Cubs team every Saturday. Don't get Tom get Ricketts. Ideas. Tom Ricketts can put that on his bulletin board and be like, you know what? I was telling you guys, and I bought this team. You know, they circle you and me. These are the idiots. These are the idiots I'm targeting. Right. These are the ones who are going to give that us was thousands the dad of dollars. That said that, but yeah, yeah. it was the dad that said that. Yeah. Okay. Well, you know, same same thing. But that's that's where it's at. I understand, like you complaining about all of this, and you know, I. First off, you sh- I guess you shouldn't because you have season tickets and I would love to be in your situation. But it's – I saw Cody make the comment like, oh, I can't be the only one yelling here. That's kind of like my point. It's like uh, – it's such a weird thing to reconcile because, again, there's a lot of good that we like. And it's, 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 it's obvious they're going in a right direction developmentally. You cannot dispute that. But there's a side where it's like, all right, well, what else can be done? Yeah. Like, what, like, what else can right. honestly be done? And, I think and why there's... is it? Why is this taking like so long here? And what is my confidence that this is actually going to work out? Then I start spiraling a little bit because you know, you know, the confidence that this is going to work out, it's not quite high. And that you know, Jed Horry thinks the same exact thing as well. And and I'm going to get really, really negative here. Our best prospect. Our best prospect is a defensive first guy. Nothing against PCA, but our best prospect has exit velocity percentiles in the bottom 15th, chase rate percentiles in the bottom 15th, whiff rate percentiles in the bottom 15th, despite the speed and the athleticism. And it's like, to me, it's like, man, you know, you can't even bank on PCA being a consistent offensive contributor, even though he has a high floor with the speed and the defense. Like, there is a lot of volatility that I'm really not comfortable with. And this is, to Cody's point, the goddamn Chicago Cubs. And it's, it's, it really, it really irks me at times when I really think about this. There, there's a universe that I want to live in, like an alternate timeline where it's just sort of always like 2015 to 2018. Like the Cubs are one of the epicenters of the baseball world. Beautiful historic Wrigley Field has 41,000 every night, which despite what people say, it does not. 
So when the team is not really good, they don't lose a ton of money, but they leave a, a good bit on the table. I think their average last year was 34, and I'm sure yeah. that's sold. That was not in the ballpark every night. So they leave some money on the table, but there's an alternative universe where like beautiful historic Wrigley Field is just the epicenter of baseball, and we don't live there. <laughs> Unfortunately, <laughs> no. we don't we don't live in that universe. We do but live do you, in the universe where there's an ice rink on the field that you can get charged. To do you on. think I'm being negative? So. Honestly, when I, when I say this, I see on social media my my perspective, my feeling gets a lot of pushback. It does. And I'm trying to like justify how I'm thinking about this and trying to reconcile some of these clashing perspectives, as I call them. But I feel as if when I talk about this and express frustration, it almost sounds as if I'm not recognizing that there is still a lot of good. Like I find it hard sometimes to correctly communicate that this is still not acceptable I think, despite them being in a good position. I don't I, it's I don't very difficult for me to do this. Necessarily it's negative. I think we've laid it all out like this organization like we all understand how it happened how you got from 2018 to 2023 and the lack of playoffs and all that and again per usual I don't really count 2020 everybody can have a different feeling on that but I I don't believe that team wins that division if the season is 162 games and they certainly weren't really built particularly seriously right so whatever. I I think I don't think it's negative. I think it's holding them to the standard that they they should be at and the one that was sold to everybody, like when Tom bought the team and just the attitude that I think they want to have about themselves. I think when you're this type of team, to not have had success in this long is unacceptable. Whether it makes sense how it got there and you can kind of like rationally point to it all. I think some people are hoping that I think I think some people will perceive it as negative because this off season isn't over. Yeah, I'm going to I'm going to get pushed back for sure. And yeah. and so like I think I think there's there's going to be a lot of people that that recognize that and just hope that things look differently come spring training and maybe yeah. even come a couple weeks from now. And we have to reevaluate things and you kind of go from there. But no, I I again, I think whether you want to hold them to that standard or not is up to you. Yeah, like I got a comment here from like, Uncle Ted, like cry about it more or offer solutions. Like I, t- I totally get that, right? Like I don't have solutions for you. Like I'm a, I'm a podcaster. Like, like January gets paid like four million dollars to yeah. come up with these solutions. I yeah. So. I, generally speaking, when I talk about this stuff in like big brushstrokes, I, I try my best. You and I try our best to get into the mindsets of the front office executives. As I said earlier, it may not make sense for the Cubs to to start the season over the first tier of the luxury tax. It may not make sense if things don't go their way. Now, three months ago, four months ago, I thought they may open the season right by the second tier of the tax, maybe even over the second tier of the tax, 257. I would be shocked that happens right now. Why? Well, I thought maybe Juan Soto was a potential target. We heard about Shoyo Otani was a serious contender for the Cubs, whether that's true or not in hindsight, it remains to be seen, but likely not true. And we heard about the Tyler Glass now, 25 million. Like these guys are not there anymore. Uh, Bellinger is still there, but it, it's difficult to imagine that they're going to be above that second tier. So you start changing your perspectives and everything. Then I start going back to 2021 and 2022 and seeing what worked and what didn't work. And you know, I'm just not pleased. Where's that? That's just kind of my takeaway. Like I'm just, I'm just not, I'm and, not pleased. You know, an interesting something I often have to remind myself because I think it it speaks to like my parents' uh, viewing of it, and I, I don't know how old everyone is, but just reading this comment from Chef Kevin Penner in our chat, uh, and he says, "I was 22 years old before the Cubs ever made the playoffs <laughs> in his lifetime. Uh, they uh, also missed the yeah. playoffs for 17 years before he was born. 39 years of missing the playoffs." And so, yeah, that's that's one of those things. And it's interesting to square how that perspective is because I think going through most of the conversation with my dad in particular, my mom is much more like us. Like she's pissed watching. She wants winners and stuff like that. My dad, I think, has the attitude of like his heart was broken in 84 
like for real the first time. He was too yeah. young for 69. And he just wanted to see them win. He did. He got to go to one of those World Series games. And so I think he's like, eh, whatever. Yeah. Like I don't have time to get bogged down and that's the majority of fans front office executives and things like that so it, it's interesting to sort of square our perspective and cody's about the same age as me so we have kind of a similar perspective luke is obviously uh much older, older much, much, much much older much older, much older. Yeah. uh so his perspective is going to be different and i think that's going to color a lot of things I, I think that we're in a unique group where we were very hungry for that first win and of course as i said it was literally all that i wanted but as time goes on like you know we're still relatively young it, it does the further you get away thank from you for 20- saying that yeah, yeah the, the further that. we get away from 2016 the more that hunger starts to creep back in right where it's like well i said i just wanted one but was that but. true <laughs> You know, like, was that really true? Or can I, can I be a little hungrier? So honestly, I think it's very, very interesting. And and I did see it from our guy, Cody Del Mendo in the chat. And I, I I think it's, I think it's fair. Uh, In general, I think both sides are true. They need to spend more. They need to continue to develop and use it to have sustained, sustained success. And that's what we're waiting for. We're waiting for that moment where this all meshes together. Because at this moment, we're in that place where you kind of feel like they're hanging at this moment in this offseason. They're hanging their hat a bit on how much they've succeeded in the development. They're looking at those prospects lists. They feel good about a lot of these guys. And they should. Yeah. And it feels like a a particularly important, maybe seminal year for a lot of those. This is where a lot of these guys maybe take that step of around that 2015-ish period we saw the last time where you sort of start to see like, okay, here comes Kate Horton, like busting the door down. Here yeah. comes Kevin Alcantara making that next leap, things like that. Like it feels like a, a very important year, but it's about that blending of it. When are we yeah. going to use some of that number two system to get stars? When are we going to spend back at those top levels and and go over those luxury taxes and make moves that sort of indicate, you know what, winning is primary the exact profit margin is is a little secondary. Yeah. So we'll see. I, yeah, I think we'll see. I think all the I think all the perspectives are fair. I do see a few people in the chat, uh Niren, Chef Kevin, talking about like we were promised a different thing. And that's where things are gonna get interesting, right? We were promised sustained success, you know, when Theo did the first rebuild. We were promised I think a more aggressive action in this offseason even with a lot of the way that everybody was talking and that hasn't happened so that that's going to be the part and I've said this many times like they don't have to tell us anything but I will hold their words against them and I know that there's a lot of people that would say it's front office speak it's business speak don't worry about it like you shouldn't take any of this seriously like listen we always go back to this Theo was the one that decided to say the offense broke and then the next year they didn't do anything to fix it I didn't tell him to say that. He could have said nothing. He nah, could have said, eh, we believe in the offense, but just had a <laughs> bad stretch, right? You're the one that said that, man. If you don't address it, that's fine. Wasn't it last offseason that uh, Jed Hoyer was talking about how the team didn't have any power yes. and then they didn't add any power? It's yep. like, listen, you guys are the ones saying this stuff. I didn't say it. So, Yeah, but like even you know, to the prospect point, we can still have these conversations to talk about what, is likely and what's unlikely what's likely for example pca is he's a good defender but if i if i bring up some of the offensive concerns and when we talk about i want certainty i want to be able to project good teams you want certainty you want for sure players i think it's a fair conversation to have with pca is like well like what what gives us as a fan confidence that he's going to be an offensive stable contributor now internally within the cubs i'm sure they have a different set of evaluation tools that we don't have but from the outside looking in it appears quite concerning like there if you just plug in the numbers if you will it doesn't yield stable success with pca's profile and it's not to say things can't change but then that starts to snowball where all of a sudden, you know, the 19 plate appearance, small sample is pushed aside. And yes, it's a small sample size. And yes, it's in variable playing 
time and opportunities and sporadic plate appearances in the late innings. But like, I got to say, when he was called up, he looked really overmatched. That was one of the most overmatched 19 plate approach, plate appearance samples I've ever seen. Um, and it does point that he needs to make significant, significant changes to reach his optimal of offensive potential. And there's going to be a lot of growing pains and a lot of adjustments, but it goes back to the point of, can you confidently project PCA's offense in 2024? And I believe the front office would say, no, you can't confidently project this offense sure. despite being optimistic about it. Could. You yeah. can't. So we, we have to hit our second ad break as we near the oh, hour yeah. mark and we, we, we do have to wrap up, but okay. uh, we will hit our second ad break here. The one thing I will say is I do, you know, and one thing that we haven't necessarily talked about too much, but I do look forward to seeing how council, one thing we talked about, I think toward the end of the year was creating a softer landing spot for some of these prospects and building an environment that helps them succeed in playing those matchups and and really manicuring, like, how do we integrate these guys and lead them to success? Something that I think... Joe Madden was very good at when he first joined the Cubs. I am very excited to see how Craig Council handles this stuff because I think we may never know what with PCA's playing time last year or Canario's or things like that was a David Ross decision versus a front office decision. We may never get that answer until unless David Ross writes a tell-all book or something like that. But I very much trust that Craig Council will be better at it. And that's not because I think he's a better manager, which I do, but it's a specific area that I genuinely believe, like Craig is going to study the hell out of PCA and the matchups and what types of pitches he's struggling with and this, that, and the other. And I think Craig is going to handle those things extremely well in terms of this guy's important to us. It's my job to help him develop and get him to the point that he is the starting center fielder for the Chicago Cubs for the next decade. And I'm going to do that. I, I, I really do believe that. So I am looking forward yeah, to same. that. All right. Let's do this last ad break here from Comet, Corey. It's getting easier for businesses to switch to electric vehicles. That's something we all can get behind for the health of the planet and for the well-being of all of us who share it. Yeah, the electric grid is evolving to meet your cleaner energy needs as we all move with confidence toward an electric tomorrow. Whether you have one delivery van or a whole fleet of shipping trucks, ComEd can help guide you to make the changes that make sense. So what should business owners do? Go to comed.com clean to learn more about the resources, fleet rebates, and infrastructure incentives available to help businesses go electric. If you own a business, don't Start making your plan A to switch to electric vehicles. Good for business, good for the planet, good for all of us. Go to comed.com slash clean. Did you say comed.com slash clean? I did, Brendan. Go now and see how going electric connects us to a better way of doing business and a better future for generations to come. Corey, you know it's projectable? Goose Island Beer Company. Stable deep beer roster chicago's beer since 1988 they have the oktoberfest the beer hug family the 312 weedale the full pocket pilsner the everyday beer it's what the brewers are drinking grab ultra fresh brewery exclusive beers at goose island's original brew house from their tap room on fulton street or in west town goose island beer company chicago's beer all right brendan let's finish as we get toward the hour mark we are live so we do have our wonderful producer sarah with us so we cannot talk for two and a half hours uh, ahead of the holiday weekend that being said let's i think that the conversation we've had is an ongoing one that i think is similar to a lot of the conversations in the cub space because they have not done anything for us to sort of like change what we're talking about but as we head into 2024, it's a new year. Give me one thing on the current roster or yeah. the pipeline, whatever, that you are genuinely looking forward to. I, I don't have, we don't have New Year's resolutions as it relates to the Cubs, but something that as we turn the calendar, you are genuinely excited to see with the Chicago Cubs. Yeah, I mean, I think Kate Horn's the best Cubs prospect pitcher they've had since Mark Pryor. So I'm excited to see him debut. I think we heard he may get 
I guess you can slot in six major league starts, kind of go through the Jordan Wicks process towards the end of the year. Cade Horton's that guy. So we've been waiting for a pitcher like this for many, many years, and he's the one to debut in 24. Okay, that's a good one. I think there's a lot. One of the things was something I just said. I think counsel and, you know, obviously just as a manager. Yeah, you're a I big manager guy. You know, you get the manager jerseys. This all is that. what they're hoping, isn't it? I know that's one of the conspiracy theories that they got Maybe. counsel to try to turn the 75 yeah. win team you're talking about into an 85 win get team. Get the most money possible. Um, Uncle Ted says he's looking forward to Ben Brown. I think Ben Brown is another name to be yeah. intrigued by. We'll see. He's also one that if they do end up pulling a trade, I would possibly expect that he would be part of it, but we'll see. Just a name that pops up a lot. I, I think, to me, I'm going to go with Seiya Suzuki, though. I, I Shocker. Think, yeah. Well, I, I'm going to I'm gonna stick with it. I, I, I rode with him at his lowest. I, I You can go back to any show we've done on him. I've always been a believer in Seiya Suzuki, even at his lowest. And I'm excited to see if he can be that guy that we saw for those last two months. He was one of the best hitters in baseball. And I'm not necessarily looking at it as something that, well, they don't need Juan Soto because they have Seiya Suzuki. Of course, I don't think that. But I do believe that Seiya can be more of a star than he has shown in the, the, the first two years. I think hopefully the adjustments, the growing pains, all that is done with. He is that player now, and he shows us he's a star for a full season. I see a few folks in the live chat saying Christopher Morell as as the guy they're most excited to see. Another great answer, 24 years old. We'll see if he finally gets a lion's share of playing third base, but uh, the, the bat that we have seen is exciting, and I think the prospect of him potentially developing into that full-time, everyday player and putting it all together are is is really exciting. Cody says he and I are very similar. Sure, I think Cody and I are more similar than people think. Even Cody himself. No, Co- I, I, a lot of us are more similar than you might think. When you really start to talk about it and share your experiences as as being a Cubs fan, it it does it. I think a lot of us are more similar than than you might think. We we express it differently on the shows and things like that. But yes, like when it comes down to the nitty gritty, I, I do think Cody and I are definitely similar in a lot of ways. Yeah, yeah. I mean, even with say Suzuki for for you know a couple of years now, and I like you, I agree with the sentiment. He looked great last two months. Uh, I will say the last thought I have with. Looking forward to things. I say this now. I hope to say this for many more years to come. Cubs middle infield, like truly, not just blowing smoke, truly spectacular. Like the best middle infield we'll ever see for a three plus year window ever. Dansby Swanson, Nico Horner, unbelievable. I've been making those, you know, videos every single day. I got like 50 more videos, like diving play videos. I myself am shocked how many good plays they actually make and how many plays are difficult they make look easy. So I can, you know, be critical of the front office and express skepticism, but every day, 120 PM games, Nico Horner, Dansby Swanson up the middle for the next three years. Love it. Thank you. There's worse ways to live. There's worse ways to live. Trust me. Yeah. So we'll see what happens. Uh, I think it is an interesting spot to be in. I know, I think most of us are a little frustrated with how slow things are, but hopefully as we turn the calendar to 2024, we see some more aggressiveness, we see some more additions, uh, and we feel a little better about the Chicago Cubs team than we do at this exact moment. Uh, but we will end uh, 20 our, our 2023 slate, like I said, unless we have to do an emergency podcast. Uh Brendan and I will talk to you again in 2024. So per usual, we are very grateful to all of you for tuning in, uh, everybody in the chat and listening on your podcast feeds today, but just in general across 2023. It was a very fun year. Uh, Your support means a lot and is the only reason that we get to do this stuff. So it is very humbling to have all of you as part of the CHGO Cubs and CHGO family. The support means the world. uh, And we will look forward to talking to Chicago Cubs baseball with you in 2024. However, that may look, uh, whether we are 
excited, scared, nervous, pissed, whatever it is, we'll do it together uh, and we appreciate it very much. So however you're celebrating this weekend or this new year, or if you're not, if you got to work or new year's not your thing, I hope you have a good weekend. We will talk to you again next Friday. This is the rest of the CHGO Cubs team. Luke, Ryan, Cody will be back next week as well. We thank you again for tuning in. Hit that subscribe button uh, to the CHGO Sports YouTube page. As Cody uh, is in our live chat, no show on Monday, so enjoy your holiday. Team will be back on Tuesday. And I think that's what we have for you. Throw a like if you want to hit that thumbs up if you're watching on YouTube. We do appreciate it. Uh, Charlie says he's excited to watch Bama wax Michigan. So, Charlie, unfortunately, we're going to have to block you from the chat. I hate yeah. to do that at the end of an optimistic New Year's uh, message. Well, he's got a point. Those Michigan graduates, they count on their fingers, you know? So I wasn't a finance major, Brendan, okay? <laughs> I was working that's for the fair. baseball team. I don't need yeah, to know yeah, that that's count. Yeah, that's fair. That's uh, No. Uh, go blue, Charlie. I feel you, but uh, go blue. So... Again, thank you for the support. Uh, the CHGO Cubs team, as we always say, will be ready if live news does break. If we need to do an emergency show, you will hear from some combination of the CHGO Cubs team to break it down. So hopefully that happens sooner rather than later. Maybe Cody Bellinger, maybe a trade with Cleveland, maybe some living, breathing baseball player who might produce uh, above an replacement, replacement level war would be super cool, right? Just a living, breathing something. human body I to sign and talk about. But we appreciate you. Thank you guys for tuning in all throughout 2023. We will be excited to talk Cubs baseball with you in 2024. Have a good weekend. Thank you again. And as always, go Cubs. Go, 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 go. We all silly like the mayor.